Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crystal Core Radio Podcast. Brian and Chris here talking today about all things going on in the world of Final Fantasy XIV, World of Warcraft, MMORPGs overall. There's a lot that we want to explore for you guys today. Today's main topics, the breakdown and focus is going to be uh, a little bit of Reddit here, focusing on the balance staff. Uh, there was a post talking about why they're elitist and toxic. Uh, we're also going to be focusing in on the uh, Final Fantasy XIV casual post. Is this game for casuals? Some exploration uh, and topics there that Chris and I have been sitting down like at night, just kind of texting back and forth, just various different thoughts. And then also Bellular put out a uh, World of Warcraft 11.0 post uh, talking about the world revamp and we want to explore that. We might also, as a part of the live show, have some bonus topics that pop up from time to time based off of live chat. But if you're here with us live, sound off in the comments. We'd love to see you. And also, if you're listening to the MP3 audio version of this, which rolls out on all podcasting platforms, uh, you can go and uh, give us a rating. We'd love to see those ratings. It helps with discovery of the of the show as well. So thank you guys for any any and all uh, feedback one way or the other. We appreciate y'all being here. Uh, Chris, our main uh, our lead topic here is the balanced discord. Uh, but before we dive into that, you just stepped into uh, patch uh, 3.4 on your journey through Heaven's Word. Is there anything uh, that's coming up? Are you going to be missing for a little bit? Like, are we going to have a live show next uh, next week? What, what's what's going on with you? Yeah, we're moving these to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so like anybody in their first week at a job or anything, you've tried to be consistent. Step one is screw it up week one. So uh, I am going to be taking this Friday off to try to get the house all clean and stuff. And uh, uh, we're actually going to be taking my dog to stay with a friend so that my wife and I next week from uh, Saturday to the following Sunday, it's just going to be us, which means if we want to like go see a movie and after we're hungry, we don't have to come back. So uh, her coworkers offered to walk her, watch her dog, uh, watch our dog for us for a whole week, which I think will be weird. I think we'll miss him, but um, you will. It's just going to be us celebrating kind of 10 years. And uh, we got some comedy show tickets in there and uh, we plan on going for a hike. And, and so it should be um, should be a pretty good week. And the goal is to be as unplugged as possible. Um, I asked her, I said, are you going to do any work during that week? And I just want to know whether or not I'm getting any like editing done on my laptop because I agreed I'm going to shut this computer down. And uh, she's like, no, 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 no work, no work, no work. And then last night she goes, you know, like if you had your laptop, and you needed to get something done. I'm like, no, you said no work. Um, so I'm going to be digging through my Eorzean uh, uh, encyclopedia. And that's it. That's the closest to no editing, no nothing. Um, so should be a good week off. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's really important to kind of disconnect. Uh, you know, we, we like to try and obviously do that from time to time. I'd like to try and do it a little bit more often, especially with the, with the kids. But uh, yeah, you do. You will miss your dog just like it with anything else. It's like, oh. Huh, that would have been that would have been a funny moment or or what have you or if he got his pup cup from when you go and uh, get that coffee uh, you're gonna be like oh man <laughs> so on that note i think we're going to transition right now into our first main topic guys if you're watching this as a part of an archive vlog uh clip highlight short all of that wonderful stuff uh if you guys hit that uh smash that like button that's a great way of helping these out in the algorithm comment and share uh, or join us over on Discord, where we've been doing many uh, different community nights. We've uh, got a lot of people within the community kind of stepping up, helping out uh, with multiple different kind of games, too. So it's been a real uh, like joy to see the Discord grow uh, as, as strong as it is. And speaking of Discords, there's another Discord out there called The Balance, uh, which specializes in really trying to break down and educate people 
on their jobs themselves. But over on Reddit, um, obviously that's a, a place where, you know, dumpster fires and, and frustrations get vented or people who feel like they want to ex express an opinion get dunked on. Um, really, at the end of the day, social media is is a dangerous, dangerous place, depending on your view of the world. Uh, Chris, why don't you break down what uh, we're talking about in, uh, in the post here and then we're going to uh, kind of talk about why we're seeing this, why we think we're seeing this, and and what we can uh, assume could be done next. Every game has resources like these. And every game, it brings together people who are at a very high level and people who are just getting started on their journey and want answers from somebody at a high level. Um, and that disparity is where 100% of the friction comes from. So let's dive in on that note. The balance provides many resources, which much of the player base relies on. These include beginner and advanced job guides, as well as compiling and counter resources, mostly made by other people within the community. I lurk the encounter general, as well as several job lounge chats, and sometimes contribute if I know the answer to someone's question. I often ask questions too, if I don't see my answer within the pins of the channels, usually early on after an encounter's released. Most optimization related stuff. Uh, I can't help but notice, but a few select terminally online mentors in that Discord are often very aggressive and toxic in how they answer innocent questions. I understand that many people who play the game are raiding every single day and night when content releases and repetitive answers can get frustrating, but most people do not lurk in these Discord channels all day. The majority of users seeking information in the balance are semi-hardcore, casual, and they are often met with rude elitist responses to their question. I'm so glad you knew what SHC meant because I was like, I'm like, I had no idea. Semi hardcore casual. That's, that's a new, that's, that's a great guess. Cause I was guess. like, I've never seen Nobody that expression. Me. Yeah. We'll let Chad let us know if there's another definition of that. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, a common example I can think of is some people have a general question. Hi, I'm not sure why I'm dying to X and they are asked to link a log. Then these mentors tend to crap all over those people included in that log for unrelated issues regarding optimal gameplay. Uh, your scholar needs to learn how to heal. Uh, unrelated, but your reaper isn't pressing buttons. <laughs> Stuff like that goes unchecked quite often. Uh, anyway, not sure uh, the exact purpose of this post. I just wanted to point out that one of the most helpful communities of this game has an unchecked elitist toxic aspect to it. So I, I highlight the kind of the last point that is like, I don't, I don't think it's unchecked. I think that's just how these things function. The question is, is that should that, should we accept that? Should we allow that? Should we, you know, how do we, how do you like stem that? But at the end of the, like the, the they brought up a couple of things that I thought was really kind of interesting. I, we know that especially within the balance, we've, we've remarked on this before and it's not just the balance, but there is a weird divide. It's almost maybe in a way a generational divide between those who prefer a video format of a guide and some of those who prefer a written format of a guide. And the strength that the written still has over video is that if something changes, they can just go and update the section of the change. So the guide generally in written form will have the most accurate information but the written form doesn't have the algorithmic power and demand that a video has. And so a video form can end up having outdated information could be relatively quickly. And so we've seen that there's been frustration voiced against 
like YouTubers and content creators uh, in terms of like even the balance, but this doesn't, you know, we're not, I'm not signaling them out because I see this happen in multiple kinds of games, this kind of mentality. And the other thing that's also interesting that I think Happy remarked on, which is like very true, is that if you want to be a content creator, you have to get, and this is also applies to guide writers and even the balance discord, you have to get comfortable with the idea that you're going to be asked the same question multiple times repeatedly, especially on a live stream. And if you can't handle that, like, then this is, you will not like this as a job. You will not like this as that concept because people will come in, they have a question and they might not have been there lurking all day. They might not have been listening to the whole live stream. They might not go and rewind and listen to a three hour or what have you. They're looking for- not going to enjoy working in a call center you're also not going to enjoy teaching the same subject to students every year year after year you're also not going to so like as a skill set this is not the only place that that's going to drive friction um so just be aware that if that's a personality trait that you have mm -hmm. that is either a something that you should strive to work on if you want to have more flexibility in that way or B, there is a whole host of things that you need to avoid. I came from sales where I got asked the same questions about our product day in and day out over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And if you don't learn to either thrive in that environment or have fun in that environment, um, then I, that could have absolutely been soul draining. Yeah. Um, no. So. I can be. And it's, it, and that's where it's like, you have to understand that if you're, you know, like, posting things that you're inviting that that repeatedly the question is in a way like how do you then mitigate that when what we do what our solution always has been is that oh we'll give the quick answer but we'll have a more detailed answer in a video form that we have a command for hey oh yeah like yes the answer is yes and if you want to know why and x y and z because i don't want to sit here and just having three hours of me just repeating this thing as everybody jumps in like, here's the link. You can go watch that for the full detail. And then, you know, we can discuss. So it ends up becoming like, uh, in a way, like what Chris here in, in chat saying, in the opinion, it's not an elitist toxic issue, but a moderation issue and community management issue. And, and, and to a degree, that's yes. Like, it's how do you manage it? But the thing that I would kind of try to put a, like a cap on this, because Chris is our mod, uh, especially like active on Discord, active on uh, Twitch. Uh, he is an all-star. He helps work with you on Gaming Lore, kind of like, like the guy is incredible. And one of the things that we've all talked about is like, if the channel ever gets uh, where it's growing enough, where like you're made whole, because right now, like, you know, we've been, we've been honest, like revenue has been weighed out. Like we're getting by you, you know, we're all sitting I've here like four months this year. Yeah. And four it's months like, I've ended with a lower bank balance than I started. Yeah. And so, and <laughs> I know I've been years. relying on this a lot more, <laughs> but we've talked about like, we would love to be able to like pay our mods and pay our community leaders. Uh, when we look at some of the really big content creators like Comic Storian, that's one of the things that he's able to do because his size actually supports it. And that's both in like financial support, but also like being here and supporting and watching the videos, et cetera. Like that is... Uh, one of the ways of going about it. Now, if, if things are able to continue to grow, like that's something we want. And when it comes down to community moderation and management, like this is a cost. When we look at uh, world first raids, when we look at some of these things, like there's a level in which that your passion can carry you so far. But at some point you're like, I have to pay the bills. I will be there next week. And one of the things that Comic Storian did to solve this is he hired 
his raid team. And people might think that's, you know, kind of weird, but no, he hired them to help him make content. It was a business expense. It wasn't like he was paying for clears. He was like, you guys are my co-hosts. This is what we're doing. And when you are able to have that level and, and that support, you're going to bring about people who are then saying, yeah, I'm passionate about this. This is something I love, but now I can also justify the additional hours that it would take to moderate a full discord. Like our general policy in our, in our discord is mods have the, have literally the final say, like if they say that you did something, I'm going to back them 99.9% .9 of the time. Cause I don't have to mod mods. I don't, well, a, I don't have like, we don't, we they got don't, the whole situation. Go, yeah. Yeah, we, we cannot, like, not just us, but it's like, even with the mods, like, it's like, guys, like, we are a community of adults. If you cannot have an adult experience, like, if you cannot just realize that sometimes it's okay to disagree to agree, sometimes it's okay to sit here and just kind of like, all right, you know, I'm just going to go do whatever. Like, like, we don't have the resources to sit here and make this our job. And if we did, like, we'd be homeless. <laughs> like there's there it is a it, there's that reality i want to point that out because like chris is a freaking rock star and i feel like man i wish for his like his and also like with wes we got a couple of mods here hanging out in chat like with y'all support we're able to do this but if we're able to get bigger we've always talked about the value y'all bring to this aspect and that should be in my my mind rewarded i don't think the balance and other people have that approach because there's always this weird line between fandom and passion and kind of your time, right? Go ahead. I'm, so like I'm, Ren Karagani is a big member of the, of the, and like obviously he does this full time as a living. And so he's found a way to monetize his portion. It's kind of independent of them, but endorsed by them. Um, they, there's been some they do endorse, between them. They do endorse some guide makers. And so like they are kind of funneling resources to those people for the time they do. Um, I think they were a big fan of like Wes Albert for a while. And so like, I will say like falling out of favor with the balance, not going to go great for you. Um, happens to be a pretty uh, heavily mentioned community when it comes to like any new player that comes into the game and gets told like hey where do i find my melts and stuff the balance tends to be the be all end all so ending on their crap list uh ending up on their crap list isn't great um they do hold a lot of power in that way i i came from wow back when like elitist jerks uh ran that kind of thing and in you know in guild wars there's there's a website like that and so like these these resources exist and it tends to be really nice if they're all in one place because people want to kind of hey I'm having trouble healing this tank and I want the tank resources in the same place as the healer resource. So it doesn't tend to make sense to have like a different website for every job or a mm -hmm. different website for every role. So it's really nice to have it in that all in that one place for a lot of communities. And some communities do split it up, but um, the balance has been one of the dominant forces. There's been others, but the balance has been one of the dominant forces in the 14 community, um, especially for the last couple expansions in, in like, all of these players that come in and want to try savage and try extreme especially when we've had like longer patch cycles where you have people who it's not some wow player getting into savage that doesn't know what they're doing or whatever the stereotype is it's somebody who's been here since arr and the content's always been so regular they've had enough of whatever they've been doing except now they don't and so they're like well what am i gonna do i guess i'll try savage uh and so <laughs> yeah you know we ended up with some really well-documented savage tiers we ended up with some big community organized events that encouraged people to step into that and when they start asking questions about melds and rotations and stuff the the balanced discord is where we drive them um but this game does a couple of things first of all you have a primarily written community there and so you are dealing with a group of people who prefer written guides or are at least comfortable with written guides which means reading comprehension is just baked in 
everything they've done. They've had to go out and, and consume this stuff written, and therefore there is a base skill set that like we spend a ton of time in our, our primary education system trying to make sure everybody at least has a functional ability to read and comprehend. That doesn't mean everybody's equally good at it. It doesn't mean everybody equally developed, but like it is something where you can see the difference. Um, it was my worst subject in school was that kind of reading comprehension. Um, I think, you know, with dyslexia, I assume it wasn't always a great, great one for you. Mm, uh, and so that's been, that's been a hard subject for me to get better at. Mm -hmm. um, and so reading comprehension isn't, isn't my go-to. Now I have a master's degree. So obviously I was able to do it to a passing degree. That doesn't mean I enjoyed it. And it doesn't mean I thrived in that part of it. Uh, I did a lot better at like lectures and, and uh, oral arguments, presentations, things like that. So I think for me, where the friction can pop in is you also have people who are being pushed to a written resource, but maybe that's not how they're best at learning. They're willing to try. And so they get told things like, just read your tool tips. Yeah. I... Well, that's where, that's where video has the, has a strength, right? That's where, that's how essentially we in a way got discovered for our content because like doing our like podcasts and things like that, that people are like, man, like who are these guys? But it's like, when it came down to it, it's like, okay, the thing that we, that I constantly get feedback that people really like is the way that I break down and explain it. Now, like my life goal is to become a teacher, but my life goal also was to have a large family. And those things are antithetical to one another. Like it's like, okay, well maybe in my mind I can go and work to get at retirement. So there's a passion that I have for teaching. And there was always this weird confidence level that I, I, I understand when people are like, Oh, I don't have the experience needed to really do it. And it's like, honestly, I think one of the reasons that has helped me is just like getting out there, not being worried about making mistakes. The, the thing is that you can learn from those mistakes. You can correct those mistakes and then you can, you can get better. And so over the course of this, this time, like, like, I think that's why people regard the controller guides in such a premier form, because like, if you go look at the originals versus now, it's like that we're talking about almost like 10 years of, you know, like we've only been making, uh, you know, YouTube videos for six, but before that I was still making controller guides and working and, and, and trying to help people out just in a very like direct way. So you fast forward to now and it's like, okay, now what, how can I level these up? And I've got these macros to help automatically set up people's hot bars. And so like overall, like I've continued to improve as a, as a guide maker, because I think that ultimately is trying to help remove some of that friction. But this is going to tie also into kind of our other topic later, but just kind of tease it with the, the 14 for casuals. Like, it's great that we have the balanced discord, but that's a free service that they're providing. Free means you're gonna get what you're gonna get. It's like rolling the dice with RNG. You, you are like when you roll the dice, you might get a great party. Sometimes you might not. Now it comes down to moderation. Like what's the level of investment and risk and time? Like if we start just breaking it down into business thought and logic, it's like, okay, yeah, the, maybe the balance could do better in terms of their moderation and some of these answers, but they're also trying to play the game as well. They're like, what's their time worth? And so then when you factor that as well is that all of this should be in the game in the first place, right? Like why do we have to within Final Fantasy's ecosystem rely on this to help bridge this gap, right? Like to bring it back down to it, like we've talked about like just XIV analytics alone that tool alone, the amount of time that people put in passion in developing that, if the game itself 
was helping to kind of educate the player and no, the beginner, you know, trial thing. And they've asked about a mid and a high, like a high end, like education thing. And we have not yet seen that in game, but there are things that the game could do to help bridge the gap. And so I don't think we're talking about players going to the balance because they want to be in the top 5% of the rating group. We're talking about players going to the balance because there doesn't seem to be another decent resource that can take them from, well, I just, I just rolled on everything fine. There was no challenge. All of a sudden I'm being challenged. What am I doing wrong? And then you're like, oh, we, 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 one of the things we've often doesn't want people like us. They don't want these mid core players leading the Mm. basics because then when they get to our skill level and want to actually go be really good at this game, then they have to fix whatever bad information we gave. Mm-hmm. And so anytime, I mean, they have picked individual guide makers who have made like one rotational mistake and just ripped them to shreds. Yeah, we all so, like, laugh they about want it, to be the be all end all. Yeah. Until they realize that means they have to answer questions all the way to the bottom. And some members of that community aren't ready to do that. Yeah. Now we, uh, yeah, wonderful notification. Thank you, Chili, for that. Also, uh, thanks, Real Kitty Hawk, aka Wes for the five gifted subs over on uh, Twitch. Really appreciate uh, that level of support. On, on on that note, to kind of finish this thought, though, is that one of the things we've laughed about, I mean, we, like, we have just kind of laughed about it. It's like when we make a kind of getting started guide, you know, I, like I am I am talking to the player, and tr- my goal, what I've stated publicly multiple times, is to take a beginner-level player and stage them to be a mid-core player to get them better to get them curious, to get them being able to understand the things that I have learned and that how I am able to do these things that they want to do. I'm not trying to get them to be a savage, but we've seen even in those guides, people will jump in that are like absolute experts. And they're like, how dare you say this one, this one thing you're setting them up for failure. And it's like, no, 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 I'm I'm inviting them into a deeper relationship with this game. But it's interesting that there is still like no matter what, like going to be a gatekeep metric. I we've been I've been blamed for bad tanks in the game when like just in our own studies and analytics we show we've actually made people better tanks. We haven't made them like the best tanks in the game. Main tank by far, I think, is probably still the uh the king of the castle when it comes down to that. And that was a whole thing a couple of years ago, which was funny with uh with somebody just trying to dunk on him. But like the idea is that like I'm not gonna sit here because I'm not gonna teach you something I don't know. And I don't have a, I don't have a passion for going and throwing my face against the wall for hours and hours and hours. So what do you think? So I think the other thing that this is making this come up this time around is changes that were made with Endwalker. Mm -hmm. Now there were a lot of changes made with Endwalker that had very positive effects. And, but that doesn't mean everything, every pro has a con. Yeah. One of the changes with Endwalker, which as they found people wanted to try playing more jobs, as people wanted to jump around into jobs, they wanted um, communication with jobs to feel cleaner, is they made some combat design choices with the intention of making the game more accessible, where they moved everybody to these fixed two-minute burst windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's been the goal, to homogenize jobs towards these two-minute burst windows. And if your job is sustain-based or lives outside that two-minute burst window, you're kind of getting left behind the bus because... What ends up happening is those burst windows stack on each other. And so if you are a player who slides off your rotation like I am, or you're a player who plays a class that doesn't benefit from those, or or just an encounter um, causes some issue where you make a mistake and you slide off that, um, 
your DPS wildly struggles, wildly struggles, because what these burst windows are doing is um, for kind of a nice visualization is when you're playing those little games, these are like a guitar hero. These are your big combo moments. These are your big combo, massive moments. And so they are your massive point totalers with your points being damage. And so it's gotten to the point where these burst windows every two minutes are actually becoming the dominant uh source of damage in a lot of these encounters now in p1 through four it worked out fine but as we got into five through eight where there were there was real there was a real check in eight s mm -hmm. um any class that slides out of that or any player that slides out of that is suddenly actively holding the group back and that i think drove a lot of friction and frustration where there didn't need to be any because there was an argument before when when somebody gets out of line and they get a little too frustrated they've had a hard day they've answered mm -hmm. the same question 20 times and they just snap and they go well maybe just don't be a bad machinist or some crap like that then people go hey machinists are getting the clear you need to chill out but what happens when machinists aren't getting the clear right and so now that person feels like they're vindicated and like they're doing this service to go out and just lock these players away um, because the content asked for more. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it is that we've moved to a battle system where actually the two minute burst windows, you know, from somebody who being told that I have to get it right for a full two minutes straight to have basically a combo button or else I kind of, you know, fail the song metaphorically. Um, that's a lot more stressful. That's a lot more anxiety in that instead of if you mess it up, yeah, it's a lesser combo window, but there's a condo window on the 30, the 60, the 90, you'll get there. Mm -hmm. um, that makes it a lot scarier. And I play warrior, which in theory is a burst job is how they always describe it. I don't know why it's lower on the DPS end, um, but in theory, we're a burst job. And so like that basically tells me I should have my storm's eye ready to go. As we go into the two minute window, I should be ready to, to pop some bell cleaves. Like that's where I should be. I should be bursting. Um, but if I miss that and then I ask, Hey, why is my group struggling? Right. Especially when we get into like P five and P six, which ask a lot of mitigation for tanks. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I say, Hey, I'm here for a rotational question. Then somebody looks at my log and goes, you're terrible at mitigation. I don't know. Um, I think that we've there's a lot of friction in the community and so that's getting so it's easier for these top end players who've already made that climb to just it would be easier to just play with people who are already up there with you mm -hmm. and not reach down and help and what i think the poster's running into is somebody that has made that choice yeah. probably just one or two people it only right. takes one yeah. It only takes one person on one bad day they may not even be like that all the right. time well right and we and we've, we've said and remarked multiple times that you know, you, you can take anybody in 30 second clips and, and you can make them look like the villain or you can make them look like a hero. It really just kind of depends on, you know, like those interactions. And that's the downside is when we do remember those negative interactions way more uh, potently, at least for a short term uh, over the over the grand scheme of things. We can also, you know, tend to forget some of the bad things that happen. And is it kind of points out an interesting uh, thing? She's saying to play devil's advocate here. The balance isn't really there to be nice and welcoming. It's there for optimization. Uh, it's just the numbers and the analytics. And sometimes I've seen, and this is where, like I've talked about uh, the, the idea of the kind of the casual elitist, because there is the idea of elitism on the casual side. Like you don't pay my sub is a, is a really good mantra that you can see uh, applied to that kind of that individual where essentially like, oh, I'm here, roll out the red carpet for me. 
you know, as opposed to like, I'm, you know, here's the numbers, like you're just not performing. And this content requires you to perform like, you know, for example, let's say I was, I was, you know, negative 20% to where I needed to be. Like there's a line I'm 20% below the line. I'm asking seven other people to pick up and carry not just their own self, but to make up my, my difference. Otherwise we're just all wasting our time. And that's one of the things where we've talked about the difficulty in Savage and I've, you know, had many conversations like on, on the live streams feels like these are dances. Like you need to learn the steps and then you need to perform your part of the dance as, as best as possible. But the challenge isn't in learning the dance. I think most people can learn mechanicals and, and, and steps and things like that. It's in finding seven other people willing to also struggle with you on that, you know, and the fact is like, it's interesting is that we, we are seeing pugs, you know, being able to get, you know, their clears, but not through all the way through the, the tier itself. And, and that's going to be at this that, point. Oh, they have, we've gotten, they've gotten pug eights yeah. done. Nice. Yeah. yeah. People are doing it. Okay. Okay. Um, I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. People are getting clears. People can clear ultimates in, in party finder. That's not the preferred method. Um, <laughs> as far as number of hours spent, uh, and as far as consistency spent, but it, it is a method for people that have less consistent schedules and, and don't want to deal with that. There are people that like that. They thrive in that. Um, and, you know, Mo, Mo Reigns argues that makes you a better player because you're forced to continually adjust to different strats and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just think that, like, you know, like Warrior you know, in chat, that there, there's a note saying, Warrior doesn't really have a rotation. You just keep things on cooldown. Yeah, except that like I drop global cooldowns when I'm pressed in mechanics or I break basic one, two, three combos. And so I think it's really easy for when you're asking why a balanced mentor gets really toxic. If I go in there and ask some question about a meld or something like that, or I go in and ask a question about a mid opti optimization within P5 and I link my logs and they see that I can't do that. I apparently can't count to three because that's what my log says. Um, then they're like, uh, why do I even have to help this trash? Like yeah. can't even count to three. And it's, and it's true. Like in, when I'm pressed for mechanics, I can't count to three. I, apparently it's, it's one, two, one, two, one, three, one, 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 two, three, like every 40 seconds or more when pressed in mechanics, what happens is, you know, in a release comes up and I forget that I was mid combo. And so I spam my fell cleaves and then I just start back at one, regardless of where I was. Um, and so I let a ton of potency and a ton of gauge fall on the floor every single time I'm in an encounter that I'm un uncomfortable in. And because of the amount of time I have to raid, the little bit of savage and extreme I'm doing, a lot of times it's one clear. So you're not seeing something. It's like, well, that'll get better with practice. I'm not doing practice. I'm clearing it once and then calling it done. Um, so if I go into the balance discord and post a log, um, A, how do I get a log? I don't run ACT. How do I get a log? Uh, so all right, great. I've agreed to break terms of service. I've got my log. Can you help me? Uh, and then I post it. Now, are they mad at me because like I'm asking questions? Would you rather somebody that plays like me not ask questions? Um, and so when you ask why people are toxic, yes, I can understand why they find it frustrating to have to interact with somebody who it should be. Why don't you come back to me when you can count to three? But also, you know, in theory, it is meant to be a resource. In theory, it is meant to be like, well, what helped you count to three when you were flustered? Because yeah. apparently you've mastered that. And that's great. I haven't. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting because also people respond differently to other people, right? Where sometimes tough love 
is is the answer. Sometimes it's like, dude, you just you got to go work on your rotation. There's nothing I can teach you until you can press this button and then this button and then this button. And if you're if that's so if that's too hard, if that's too, if you're too fragile for that that kind of feedback, there there's other things in this game to enjoy. You know, like maybe Savage isn't for you. And that's a perfectly acceptable answer. Now it's a matter of how then it gets delivered is usually where this ends up, you know, hitting the hit, hitting, hitting the road, right? And that you've labeled people as mentor, right? So yeah. when you're being told to screw off, you feel like you're being told to screw off on behalf of the community. Yeah. Because you want the most knowledgeable people you in, in your mentor position, but you also want the most welcoming people in your position. And when those are not the same person, that's where leadership within the balanced discord has to make a really tough call. Do you have people that are really nice and welcoming, but risk confusing or, or misleading? Mm -hmm. Or do you have people that have the information, but occasionally have to be reminded, I know you think you're just joking. I know you think that was like a nice sarcastic way to do that, but this is a text-based forum and you came across like a dick. And text can also get really misunderstood, you know, in that regards, because you can infer tone based off your own mood. Now, that's why one of the challenges I always try to put on myself is I always try to read the text and y'all's comments in the most positive light. And so it, and that actually sometimes annoys people. They're like, Brian killing them with kindness. I'm like, Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. They're like, I was trying to insult you. I was like, Oh, that <laughs> you can't insult me. It's my superpower. Um, on that note though, it's like, I think essentially what, what I would advocate for, especially if people find this kind of, you know, this kind of story frustrating or what have you is that, we need better resources in game. We need the game to kind of help, I believe, to step up. And the only way that that would ever happen is more and more feedback in that regards. Otherwise, review this as a resource. And if you get a snippy response, like you just got to let it roll off your, you know, your back and just move on. Um, because these people are not like paid, you know, in that regards. And even if they are like, it's like in terms of like, how much time do you have? Uh, and where do you want to put that time in? Like, I, I know that I've looked I've remarked on this as like, for somebody just like giving me some like for for this community and the hate that we're easily able to like disperse onto people i'm like i'm working on this this thing for y'all because y'all asked for it and i would rather just go play <laughs> it's like this is time that i'm like i oh brian you haven't done this this or this it's like no i decided to pour 30 hours into this over here because it's going to make uh, making people get into the game much uh, much better and that's a, and that's a win in my book but yeah, that just I you got to pick and choose your battles. Uh, you got to pick and choose where you get time because it's not like I can I can be in the same place at the same time doing multiple different things. That's why you don't you know somebody was trying to get me to do like extreme guides. I'm like that's already covered. Like I don't I don't have the time to throw into that. I'm not gonna have joy in that. So anyway, what do you think, Chris? I, I think be reminded that not everybody is you, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had a chance to talk to some people that have been involved in the balance, and I don't know what level they're at, but. You know, they were telling me that like one of their frustrations, um, they were being really nice to me, but like I had, I had mentioned, I was like, yeah, hey, I, I don't, there's a reason I don't do rotation guides. Um, but there are people that do, and they immediately mentioned the person that they didn't like that does rotation guides. And I think it's really unfair to that person. And um, my response was, well, what don't you like about their guides? And they're like, well, they made this potency mistake here and it misleads and they act like they're such an authority, but they can't even clear some of the content themselves. And I was like, so you can clear all the content on those jobs. And they said, yeah. And I was like, and you can do it either without mistakes or at least understand to a simulation degree 
what perfection is. Yeah. And you can continually stay on top of that information every single time that it could possibly change. If the, if there's changes to the, a lodestone post or whatever, where they, they change something with that job. Yeah, I do. Great. Have you made any videos on that? No. Then how do people get to that information? It's in your head. Mm -hmm. So like, we're going to use the best information made available. And so if your information is better, do it mm -hmm. like then do it. And like, I don't, I don't mean that. And like, they're like, well, that sounds kind of aggressive. And I was like, I don't know how else to say it. Like until you, until there's a better option, what do you expect people to do? They're going to drink from the trough that's available. Right. So it's, would you rather people just ask yeah. the question into the void and been like, well, None of the perfect people are willing to answer. So I guess let's just leave them alone. Like they're going to go to the person that says, Hey, I, I'd be happy to help you. Yeah. So I, I didn't even focus on, I like that person's content, but before I even focused on that, I just said, well, fine, let's just assume for a moment. You're right. Let's just perma ban them from the platform. What happens then? Let's follow your logic. And they're like, well, I don't have time to learn how to do all that stuff. And I was like, and they did. So do you respect that that takes an amount of effort on their part? And that's what they're focused on and they're trying to be helpful and that there is some good intent there, even if they miss the mark sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, so 100% have you, agree. Have you reached out to them and said like, Hey, you know, I just wanted to toss some, like, I'd be happy to kind of help proofread your stuff or stuff like that. And then be aware that if you do proofread YouTube is a first or first or get out type mm -hmm. game sometimes. So like, that doesn't mean I'm going to take six weeks to make some noted changes. No, no, no. Right. If they're done with their guide, it's got to go. Yeah, it's got to go. And I uh, talked to Happy about this specifically. It's that, and we like we 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 kind of laughed and memed on Reddit when they were like d designing the perfect way that YouTubers should roll out their guides. There should be the day one guide, the week one guide, then the edited and fully like community focused. Like this is what the community term guide. And Happy said like he took it up on himself to go and like I want to make the premiere guide and I'm going to roll it out a couple of weeks. And when he went and looked at the numbers, they were nothing. Nobody needs that perfect guide. They've all figured it out. Everybody just kind of wants to know what they're stepping into. So the day one guides, even if they have mistakes, are the guides that people go to. And they get and people through content. Yeah, they get the win. They get the win. And people are like, well, I know how to do it so much better now. Cool. Okay, then it sounds like you don't need a guide for that. Like, right. I, like, <laughs> like the, the guide was there to bridge the gap between I cannot clear the content and now I can. Yeah. And as long as it did that, well, now I'm, oh my gosh, I thought about it and I can do it so much better now. Great. Sounds like we don't need a guide for that. Cheers. Um, and that's why that guy dies because, yeah. mm -hmm. because the optimizations get handled. Right. Um, what we need is people who are like, I will not step in there if I have not seen the fight. Hey guys, happy here. And I just want to show you the fight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that's all it needs that's to be. That's all it needs to be. Um, and it's the, uh, yeah, I think it usually just comes down to the, like the, the, the textbook versus the reality. I see this happen a lot. Like when you go and you study, like this is the textbook ideal. And then you step into the reality of how people manage their code and you're like, okay, well let's, let's work towards that. The ideal is there to the, something as a goal we should strive for. But the reality is this is all the world we live in. And this is just the way it is. And so um, I saw Chemini as Chumbity, <laughs> excuse me, somebody in chat. Lucky Archery says, is it considered toxic to write a post on Reddit rather than actually reach out to the mod of the Discord and the server in question? And this is kind of where like that, like, you know, almost kind of, what, what's the term that I, I, people use? Like where they're just like, virtue signaling that's the thing i'm getting at it's like oh look at me i'm being oh, i'm being i'm being yeah. hurt i'm being uh, i'm being hit 
you know, like, oh, how, how mean is the 14 community? It's like, yeah, we, we have our assholes, like, and we know where they are and they know who they are. And, uh, and we shouldn't ignore them because they've, they're giving the community, I think a bad, bad rep uh, representation, but I, I agree with lucky. It's like, that's reach out to the mod. All this, all, all, all these rushing to public, you know, like, Oh, you know, somebody was mean to me, like let's publicly shame them, you know, on this regard. I think that's also a part of the problem because that gets them. And they may have to do as well. Yeah. And maybe they did, but at least they, if they did, they didn't. Or maybe for all the times that they've done it, we're not talking about it. Right. So like right. this did, it did like, and there's a tool discussion. Yeah. It and, did it. Mm -hmm. And now here it is. It's on FFXID discussion. I just want to have a discussion about it. I don't necessarily want to like get them fired or have an argument with them. I just want to talk about it. Yeah. How do we improve That's it? FFXID discussion. That's what go. it's for. That's what it's for. Um, so I do want to stop and thank Astrager for 10 gifted subs and uh 100 bits and chili for 100 bits and uh les banana for subscribing and um kitty hawk for gifting five subs yeah and an anonymous gift to lucky archery thank you guys all back to back to back thank you guys so much thanks also for watching our youtube videos uh that's a that's a huge help as well so um, that is going to be this for the topic. We've got a new topic right now. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the world revamp. So welcome in, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out this video. We're going to be talking about WoW 11.0. This will coincide, I believe, sometime after Final Fantasy 14 7.0. If you guys enjoy these highlights, yes. these videos, and more, uh, note that you can smash that like button, comment, share, and uh, and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, we do these live shows uh, generally uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but Chris is going to go celebrate with his wife. Uh, so we will have a kind of a little content gap over here on YouTube for you guys for just a little bit. So beyond that, uh, Chris, you sent me this video. I, uh, I've been listening to it. I, I actually listened to it twice uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. And honestly, there was a part of me like as a non-WoW guy that I was like, that is interesting. We've long been questioning how do these long persistent games continue to evolve? And we also have talked about Final Fantasy XIV's strength and weakness in its narrative and its story-driven approach because that just continues to put content up a tower and ultimately making it very difficult to invite people into the the very tip top of the tower yoshi p has talked about how difficult it would be to go in and rework those things rework those assets but they're also seemingly doing that uh, uh in the final fantasy 14 world but why don't you give a rundown of what bellular has discovered and why he's excited for the future of wow as it as it enters in this would be around the time of its 20th anniversary which i think is pretty daggum significant what do you think so um wow is in shadowlands right now for anybody that doesn't know the number on that uh that is 9.0 and then we are going into 10.0 with dragonflight uh, I believe the predicted date is in November of 2022. Uh, so this is already looking out two years past the expansion that has not yet released as of right now. Um, so you're, you're kicking it out a ways. Uh, a fair bit of what he's analyzing is the time skip uh, element to the narrative that Dragonflight implies so that we can uh, kind of start distancing ourselves and start allowing characters to mature and grow. And uh, it's not a massive time skip, but... Uh, starting to kick it out a little bit of a distance because uh, Azeroth has been hit back to back to back to back. And so it's been very hard to kind of distance yourself from anything where maybe the writing or the place we went or the enemy we went, you want to do something different with. Um, 
And the, so the wow timeline has been very, very dense. And so as you start to say, okay, let's start distancing ourselves from that. Maybe it's time for a change in the way we handle the writing. Maybe it's a time for a change when we handle the way the characters, um, you know, I, I don't think Anduin's in charge of the Alliance right now. Cause he's, he's kind of a wall uh, and he'll show up when he wants to show up. And so I think you have a chance to start saying if there are people that um, are not around, if you have leadership, and this is something that is important as we look at like, where is Guild Wars 2 headed from here? Where is Final Fantasy 14 headed from here? Mm. Um, because like, that's why I wanted to talk about this as a topic, because it's not just World of Warcraft. We're going to get to a point where you have to decide how do we keep a game not feeling like we're just stretching it out, you know, forever. You've, you've watched those TV shows that have stayed, they've stayed one, one season too long. Mm -hmm. And that's because they didn't have an exit strategy. Um, and they either needed to end earlier or they needed to have a pivot. Uh, and the pivot narratively is the foundation of what allows us to make pivots mechanically. Uh, and so as we look at games that are starting to get to the point where it's time for maybe an engine upgrade, uh, some some graphical updates. No, graphics are not the be-all, end-all, but they are part of, of game design. Um, when we look at updating mechanics, updating things that are starting to feel like that's not a good reason anymore. Like, why can't my inventory be bigger? Why is my cosmetic system clumsy? You know, what's going on with monetization in this game? They're just behind because they were operating on best practices, you know, 10 or more years ago. Um, and I think this opens the door for WoW to say it's a different WoW. Uh, and in my mind, that's a get back to basics type thing. Uh, get back to fundamentals. We've continued moving the goalposts so many times that we can't even see the stadium anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is a chance to just say, okay, new stadium. <laughs> Let's get back to what made World of Warcraft World of Warcraft. And that's a heavy emphasis on the world of Warcraft. And maybe in this day and age, that is better writing and more prevalent voice acting and all these things because the budgets are there. Um, but the, at the end of the day, the world was the star. And it, it feels like we've lost that. Um and so what would that look like in World of Warcraft? What would that look like in Final Fantasy? Um, and do these games deserve to live 30 years, 40 years? Do we get to a point where it's 50 years and you've got people, you've got multiple careers that have gone their entire career working on one game that was both around before them and will be around after them? Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be something really interesting, especially if they are kind of going in that that route because the question is always like do they go with a wow too uh we do know like especially when it looks at uh just that when you look at it it's not like there's just one player in the space you have amazon stepping into it you've got you know uh with ashes of creation you have uh i'm forgetting the name there's uh, intrepid there we go uh, and then you also have like you know things like that with blue protocol so we're all looking at like built on the latest round of technology like looking at it and the things that hold those games back ends up being that it doesn't have 15 and 20 years of content that's usually the general frustration that players who step into these games say hey i beat it and what do i do now and it's like well now you wait and it's like oh there's not all this legacy content there's not all this other stuff that i can do there's not a like a well-formed community that all has a shared love or hatred for this game that we can either say how it's the best game in the world or we can just all like play it and grumble about how it's like you know like oh man they really like let this thing go and or what have you like those shared communal aspects like take time to de develop but what the new games do have is they do have the uh, the concept of cloud and distributed technology you have like engines that like really bring out things that are not being done in these in these older games you know just things like that that separate and that's one of the things that people who step into these newer games 
remark and they feel and that's why you see a lot of pressure i think being put on ash as a creation i think before the show uh somebody was asking if we've seen the lazy peon video and it's like i saw one of his breaking down the systems of ashes and his and that's where my biggest concern for the future of that game is i keep seeing people saying like if ashes fails then i don't, I don't know what it will be for mmos and i honestly don't know if those those same people who are saying that are going to stick around with ashes because they'll they'll get bored and they'll want to go do something else because They've been trained that it's perfectly fine and you jump from game to game to game um, because that's just the nature of it. They're not going to relive their their teenage years when they had no, no money and nothing but time you know, to experience that. But in the case of WoW, instead of going to 2.0, like what I would like to see is like he talks a lot about the zone redesign, bringing back the world tree, uh, you know, like all these things. A lot of these things that mean nothing to me as somebody who cannot and has not gotten into the game. But what would be interesting to see is that if, you know, we're talking about in the back end, engine refresh, does it come to console? Does it say, hey, listen, we know we've been here, but now we see, especially on the playing field across the board, like what does a World of Warcraft 11.0 that would come out to console, have like controller support, open it up to an even wider range of players who maybe have fallen away and just want to jump in and dip out and in? Like, what do you think, Riz? So you noted a couple things there that you yeah. don't have context on. Um, so in Cataclysm, they did a lot of back-end realignment. And as a result, the kind of front-end, what the players are playing, um, didn't feel as polished as Wrath of the Lich King. And so for many people, that was the turning point where their relationship with World of Warcraft began to, to slide. Mm -hmm. um, I think Firelands was a great tier. I think, there, I think there was some great stuff in Cataclysm. But overall, like compared to Wrath, it just felt like there was so much going on off-screen uh, that on screen, I, I don't think it had the same punch as Wrath of the Lich King, which is why that's such an anticipated relaunch in Classic September 26th, um, is is Wrath of the Lich King coming back. And Olduar being, I mean, Olduar has been held up as one of the best raid tiers in any MMORPG ever. Um, it's what put, you know, it's what led to a lot of the leadership that is there today is is yeah. how well that was received but that's essentially um, kind of one of so, my biggest complaints about mmos and how they've evolved into this raid culture like that is the pinnacle uh piece of content where like you said like bringing back the world like if they were to balance it in a way that it's like raids great cool awesome people like it but also within the world like you're out and you know but that's that's just my take but go ahead keep continue so then with future expansions, um, they did less of that kind of off screen and things got done more on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we had a chance to there. The elves lived in this big giant tree uh, and a character burned that tree down and mm -hmm. players got to go take part in that. And Alliance players got to rescue refugees um, in this event and horde players got to help basically burn this thing down. Uh, and then it was gone. That was a pre-patch event. It was like your 1.0 sending out days and mm -hmm. you were either there or you weren't. I yeah. did it as a horde player. It was incredible to be a part of as somebody who started the game as a night elf player, um, like it, and, and went to horde and played druid, like, and being in touch with nature and all this, like it felt nuts. Um, it was like, what are we doing? This is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we, the undead city, you thought the Alliance was going to attack the undead city. And then that same character basically bomb the undead city and so like we've lost these cities and there is this concern of are they just going to try to write it over are they just going to try to smooth it out and with 11.0 they just do a cataclysm and they're like and things are different now yeah um and there's and so how do we handle things moving forward and what was interesting narratively and would have to do with world design um what kind of events do we do in game 
is that um, the official statement is no. If the world tree comes back, if Lordaeron comes back, if Gilneas is, is like, if any of these places that have a history um, come back or are destroyed, if anything changes, that is all going to be something that happens in game now. We're not doing yeah. any of that off screen stuff anymore. Um, which I think is a real departure to say, you don't get to just jump to your favorite parts of the timeline. It can't just be about these big cinematic moments. And then you just ride over whatever it takes to get there. We're telling a story here. We're living in a world. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that was the right statement that says like, you know, that's what we're experiencing in Final Fantasy right now. You don't get to just say it ended and now we're in the next thing. Right. We've got a transition. And so these the, the patches point one and point two are slower uh, because they're not a finale. Uh, and so we're we're just getting our engine started on this next saga. And it leaves a lot of questions, but not questions that like are burning and keeping you up at night. You're like, yeah, OK. Um, and that's part of it. We're at the beginning of a 10 year journey. And uh, so I think it was exciting to see WoW take that same mentality um and hopefully they can they can make that happen and i think it starts with 10.0 and i think it's something that you don't have to trust them with 10.0 they have to show us with 10.0 and then they have to show mm -hmm. us again with 11.0 yeah that's but a, yeah. let's assume for a moment we have three years in a row of good development good storytelling good world design good mechanics um good management of their power systems and all of that um it's the sort of thing that says we are ushering in a new chapter for world of warcraft and really i think starts to say okay and we're going to try to keep up with games like final fantasy that are off to their next chapter and whatever guild wars is doing whatever all these new mmos we're talking about is people are excited about riot people are excited mm -hmm. about ashes people are excited about star city you know all these different games um meanwhile like eso's cranking out content you know there there are games that are still just, just doing their thing um i i think to see wow say yeah i i that's that actually tells me they're listening more than all they're sitting around a round table looking at the camera saying, we're listening, we're, we're listening. listening, we're listening. Like, I don't I don't care about that. Show me. Right. Yeah, uh, it's it's time for action. And action is going to speak a lot louder for words because like, they've burned a lot of that trust. Like, if you ever think of that uh, as a bank of withdrawing and depositing, I think even back in the day, they were talking about, like, we're, you know, like, we're, we're deposit like, the players are depositing their trust in here. And then eventually they end up going on this big spending spree of that. And so what you said is absolutely true. I think if 10.0 comes out and people, it doesn't have to be the be all end all, but if people are like, all right, like it's starting to actually like feel really good. And they follow that up with a strong 11.0. Like that's where all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, wow is gearing up for the next decade uh, with a fight on its hands, you know, like it's, it, you know, you get, people have a lot of nostalgia. We, we kind of talked about it. We don't actually have a topic for this, uh, specific show, but about how, like, there's this mentality in 14 that though, the, the, the reason why 14 is having such drama and such struggle right now is because of all these wow players that have come in and ruined the community. And, you know, like we saw like a thread over that and it's like, that is such like such BS, um, you know, overall like it's that's not in that case i would say that anybody also probably most likely pointing the finger at wow is a is a, at one point a wow player like it's just like in that regards because i've we've there's lots of really good experiences with that and it's like, over 120 million people have played wow yeah 14 so, coming up on 40 million right so it's like oh, statistically yeah. within mmorpgs 14 players have played wow yeah statistically some of us have done that 
which means some of us didn't come over here because we didn't like 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 still like wow some still play both some go back and forth so i think that like idea of like this is the time they're all coming over and there's there's charging the castle not to mention you've been telling them for years that your game is better now stay out yeah, like, you know, what is your plan? The uh, what oh. Asmic Gold's gonna bring his toxic community, meanwhile, like, well, we gotta go bully him and get banned from the game. It's like, and then now he's not playing. Why is he playing? It is poetic to say the least. The um, so no, I, I think essentially, like, what would be interesting for me as a non wow guy, it's like, especially as you look at like a, 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 another decade, like lay the foundation really deliver 11.0 and then essentially i think what would be interesting to hear from them as they gear up at, at 20 is like what are, we're going to 30 like yoshi p sat down and said hey we got another 10 year plan we're going to do another 10 years of this game and that's that's kicking off and the 7.0 is going to actually most likely come out and then the game will turn 11 in terms of if we're aging it from ARR. It's already 13, I think, years old from the announcement, 12 years old, etc. blah, 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 whatever. Uh, but then all of a sudden you start looking at that like, okay, great. What does 14 look like? Especially if the 7.0 comes out in 2024, that would also be, you know, maybe in the beginning of the year, while, you know, 11.0 at the end of the year, November, you know, maybe, um, you know, for the, for that aspect and then both of them gearing up for another 10 years and so i'm wondering what we'll see them learn from each other because there's things that i've heard a lot of wow players come in and say oh i really like this system because it doesn't make me do all these needless things where in wow i felt like i had to do all these pointless things just to do this one thing and then in 14 it's like the, the concept of like, oh, if you want to get into the game, you know, that like if I wanted to get into 11.0, like I kind of can. Um, but one of the things that does concern me, and this will be interesting, kind of get your thoughts on it, because uh, the justification of the level squish, uh, it helped to ease a little bit of a burden of the, the anxiety of like stepping in. But now didn't they say that it's actually going to 70 and it's not going to do that 50 to 60? So I, my hope is that if that 14 looks at that and says, no, we're not going to do that. You know, like I would feel horrible. And, and honestly, it's like when they said they were going to 70, I was like, oh, so it's not a level switch. It's just them just resetting this to climb back so, up again to 120 or 130. What do you think? It was. So here's the journey that went through. Yeah. So Ian came out at BlizzCon and said, levels don't make sense. Because what happens is you have so many levels that you either ask a new player to level through 600 hours of content to join us. And that's insane. And mm -hmm. what Final Fantasy does every day. He didn't say that last part. <laughs> now, or you speed them through it. In which case, it goes, level up. And you go, eh. Eh. Which means it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So why even have levels if they're so worthless? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he wanted to usher back to the true old school RPG game stays like D&D, where at the, if at the end of a session, you level up. It's a big deal. Oh, my God, I got a new spell. I can't wait to use it. It's a right. huge deal. It Feels is a important. Drastic, it's, a, it's wildly important. So he wants every single level to have a reward that is meaningful. Every single level should matter and should feel big. Step one, there can't be six billion of them. 
I can't have 6 billion rewards or they, they, or it's, it's too much. So let's condense it down to a number. So let's condense it down to, let's say 50. We think our game takes 50 base levels to get every single reward handed to you. Maybe at this level, you unlock the ability to mount. Maybe at this ability, this you unlock something that really finishes out your rotation. And so let's just kind of build that out over 50. And then we'll have the current expansion bolt 10 levels on. And so then we'll talk about what this means. What do you do for the 1 to 50? And that turns into all these other systems that they tried, Chromie Time and all that. And so that's what matters. And in my head, I thought, very cool. And they said, it's an incredibly manual thing, but we're building in systems that make it dynamic. So if we ever have to do stat squishes in the future, all that stuff, they, they've moved to this dynamic stat squish system. So in my mind, what that means is that every expansion, all 60s become 50s, all 50s become 47s or whatever the math works out, because they basically take the total amount of experience you have, they adjust the amount of experience it takes to get to 60 to now that's what it takes to get to 50. And then you just end up wherever on the sliding curve you end up. And so, you you know, you log in, you lose a level, but, but you have the same amount of experience. They didn't take any of your experience away. They just increased how much experience it takes to get to each point. You just adjust down and all 60s drop to 50. And then we go back and we drop our Shadowlands borrowed power system. And I thought it actually kind of solved the borrowed power thing a little bit other than now, other than the inherent problems it has. And then it says, no, you lost that. You're 50 again. And now we're going to bolt on 10 levels. Now, fast forward two years. Okay. So what are we doing after Shadowlands? We're going to bolt on another 10 levels. But doesn't that go against everything you said before? And he goes, well, we just figure that like, yeah, it'll probably be a problem again, but that's probably 10 years from now. So we'll worry about that then. And all that told me is Ian's going to retire sometime in the next 10 years. And he doesn't give a crap who he hands it off to. And I don't know how else to say that. Like, I like a lot of the things that Ian has done for the game. I've, I've disagreed with plenty of things he's done for the game. But ultimately with this, that tells me I, I fixed it for the amount of time that I think it needs to be fixed for. And after that, somebody yeah. else can clean up my mess. The um, I honestly like one of the things that when I look at my experience, like Final Fantasy XI held on to its level 75 for so long. Like it never was always increasing that, but people really enjoyed that. It You hit this and then there was this other kind of systems that would open up. And that's honestly what I wish we would see make a return because there is a value in level 60 as a cap in terms of world of warcraft it makes it less burdensome to step into i wish that they would keep the cap at 60 and then have some kind of post experience system That's what guild wars does. right and so the guild wars i think once really 80, nails it right once 80 always 80 and then all that's of a sudden, this right. And it is the real cap and right. there's 10 posts. And so like, that's where, when it comes down to it, like to, to bring this into kind of Final fantasy 14 terms, my hope, my wish, my dream would be like, just cap it at 99, like have the next expansion 7.0, take the level to 99, which is a classic final fantasy level. And then have a post experience leveling, whatever. And never again, no, there's 8.0, 9.0, 10.0. The level cap is still 99. And then if you want to have an engagement in all of this, in this case, optional leveling, then you can. And there's rewards that are structured to it that are fun, little glamour stuff, etc. Like that would be the ideal as opposed to like if 14 ever said like, guys, 120, 130, like this is like not only that is the story itself, because like all of a sudden it's like you just have this like, OK, here's this, uh, you know, like you're going to spend months and months and months just trying to get live through a thousand years of war, a thousand years of war. You know, um, then all of a sudden it's like, 
okay, then they ever squish it, like they ever do what WoW did, it's like that will not feel good. I I even said I was like as a as a player who's looking at this, I honestly hope that new MMOs kind of look at this and seeing like, hey, how how does this game that's now twenty years old handle it? Not great. <laughs> you know, it's like they had to pull back all these levels, and 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 Ian, it wasn't also wrong having all this extra stuff. Like, what does that even mean for the player? How do we make that feel significant? And it's like, well, I honestly go back to Final Fantasy XI. They did. They eventually and ultimately raised the level cap to 99, but it's still sad at that. So they kind of hit that Final Fantasy branded level cap that it was in across all of their games. And so, like, I think it's like, yeah, pick a level cap and then essentially design an XP system that is a post-progression stuff so that in, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years, it's still like you're not being you're not sitting here telling somebody they have an insurmountable amount of you know work to do in that regard and if people like leveling and having skills and the devs want that then then do that and have us be oh do you have your your 7.0 plus 10 so you're 99 plus 10 and then it's like just like aetherates right you can fly in some zones and not others so you can still level in each expansion, but like, because it's, but I don't know that that works for 14 because 14 is linear narratively, as opposed to something like ESO or Guild Wars, where I can do things out of order if I want to. Um, there's a preferred path, but I don't have to stick to it. Uh, and so the ability to kind of do expansions out of order, you know, WoW's crafting system, I can level up for each individual expansion. So I can go do the Burning Crusade crafting after Shadowlands crafting um and so i think there's there's a real step there for like what do you do now these problems we're talking about that are in the future of 14 that are they're hitting wow now they are problems that result from the mistake of being successful for too long like that's what they're being penalized for so before we get like to like well they should have seen this coming other you know new world's handling this better we don't know that like get new world to 10 years old and see if it's like yeah, well, exactly. Series of Oops. bad choices. So it's, it's really easy for everything to work great in your game for the first two, three, ten years. Mm -hmm. It's after that. What do you do when you've accidentally put too much content in your game? So that's that's really where World of Warcraft is at. Is that what do they do with 11.0? And it's a it's a guideline for what would Final Fantasy either want to do or not to do. Because learning from WoW does not mean copying WoW. Learning from WoW can also be I watched them do that. We actually thought about doing that. Mm, then, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. like it 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 does kind of chart a path for what are the options that final fantasy could consider because inevitably they will run into the same issue mm -hmm. now uh chris says as kind of my final thought on this topic um before we move into kind of your final thought says love how discussions on certain game mechanics so often just go to just do it like guild wars 2 because that game really needs more players and more praise uh and i was gonna be like the joke is is that we are now the guild wars 2 marketing team uh because guild wars 2 i think's greatest weakness is, is that they don't really market their game um and it usually comes down to like yeah guild wars 2 like they really nailed that you're right. They really nailed that level cap. This is what it is. And then here's these other systems that you can engage with post level cap, meaning that horizontal progression um, that really, I think uh, that, that speaks to me as a player in and of itself. What are your, what's your final thought, Chris? I mean, Guild Wars has its own flaws, so it's easy to point yeah. to the things Guild Wars is doing, doing well and, and say, like, wow, I'm 14 to learn from those, but it has its own flaws. Um, but I do agree it's it's doing a lot well, and it's doing a lot that's allowed it to age gracefully. Um, and that's something that, like, 14 is going to struggle with because they've built 
a standard of you need to clear all the story from day one to now. Mm. And like, that was fine, except that you've continued stacking more story on top. And like, if 600 hours is not too much to ask of a new player is a thousand hours. Like what's the number? There's a number. It used to be like, well, maybe 300 is too enough. Oh, 300 is not too much. Um, but now it's it's got to be 500 hours now, especially because now we're starting to say you have to clear raid series, you have to clear alliance raid, you have to do Hildebrand, you have to do your class quests and your role quests. And if you hadn't, you don't like this game. And so, like, if we're going to continue lording that over people, um, you know, what are what exactly are you asking? Uh, and and it's it's hard. Um, and the game itself encourages a lot of that. So. WoW and 14 have both created the problems that they, they're they heading into or are already in um, by just setting up something that worked really well when the game was younger than it is now, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I think a lot of us can relate to. We all made choices earlier in life because they thought it would work out fine. And then you get to a different age and you're like, that was dumb. Uh, <laughs> I, wish I'd, I wish I'd made some different decisions earlier because things could be better for me now. Uh, so I think it's something we can relate to and, you know, it's not to go back and throw hate on those younger versions. It's just to say, okay, now that I've recognized what that problem is, how do we fix it from here? Mm-hmm. Um, and what do we do moving forward? Cause the answer can't just be, well, let me just keep ignoring it. <laughs> now that I know it's a problem, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Anyway, guys, always let us know what you guys are thinking in the comments below. Uh, also, as a part of these live shows as well, if you guys enjoyed this video, uh, hit that like button, subscribe and share for more. Uh, work to game discussion content especially around mmos welcome in everyone and thanks for being here if you guys enjoy it today's live show we're talking about is final fantasy 14 for casuals uh this is also going to be a highlight over on work to game so if you guys are watching that you are awesome we love you so much and uh if you hit that like button because you feel like it earns it uh it does help us out uh greatly um to kick it off chris is about to go on a little break so if you're seeing this as a highlight and you don't see anything else from us for like at least a week or something uh, note that he's going to be on a nice little vacation with his wife as they celebrate 10 years of marriage. So congratulations to Chris uh, on that achievement unlocked. Um, but Chris, is there any if there's anything you want to kind of jump in on? Um, otherwise, I feel uh, let's just jump into the post because there's a lot that we can talk about here. No, no, no I'm, I'm trying to finish up Heaven's Word this week. So let's get to it. All right. Uh, <clears throat> all right. How is Final Fantasy 14 for casuals? Cheers, everybody. Pretty much the title. I'm curious about the game, and I won't be able to invest time in it like I once used to when WoW was still pretty fresh. How's the content for casuals? Is there any point in playing when you can't grind your butt off or can't dedicate several evenings a week for PvE or whatever else there is available? Any inputs, much appreciated. So Chris, how is Final Fantasy XIV for casuals? So, at the start of stream yesterday... I got asked, um, and they later did come back and say, like, hey, I, I didn't mean that for that to sound maybe as condescending as text put it. But, you know, I'm just now finding out that Chris was this longtime story skipper. And my understanding is you and Brian don't really do Savage and Extreme. So what were you doing, Chris? Like, why are, <laughs> like, if you don't like the story in Final Fantasy XIV and you don't do Savage... Why are you here? Why are you um, here? Because I've been around since ARR. Um, and the answer is, yes, it's an incredible game for casuals. Actually, so is World of Warcraft. Uh, if they want to return to WoW. But it does mean you're going to operate outside the meta for World of Warcraft. And so when people say, you know, maximum item level right now is like 300 or something like that. And my character's at like 190, 185, something like that. And you, because 
the moment I try to chase 300 at all, it's going to open up all this crap that I'm going to feel like I have to do. And so I just instead disengage from it entirely. If the gear does not literally fall onto my character, I do not want it. It needs to like equip itself. I don't want anything to do with that. And, and I found plenty to do in that game. Um, within Final Fantasy, this is an incredible game for casuals. So, Brian, what do you what jumps out to you? Like if, if you had if you had a friend come and say this, you know, mm -hmm. hey, I used to play 11 pretty heavily and I'm thinking about getting back into MMOs. Is 14 going to be something I can get by with less time? Uh, well, yes, but I would also, especially if they're coming from 11, um, there is there is a frustration that if that's what you're kind of wanting, you're not going to get that that one to one. You're as like it, it makes it 14 translates way better off of World of Warcraft than it does 11. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a timing thing in 11. You can go run with trusts like outside of its age and clearly being shown in its systems that, you know, if they reworked 11, I think there would be a community there, but obviously I don't think sandbox is as popular as 14, uh, as a theme park in that regards. My, 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 I stand by my future prediction that the future MMO will be the sand park blending of theme parks and sandboxes together because I think essentially that's where these games can end up really thriving, but you got to have that curated experience that the theme park offers that thing to chase, right? That the next thing to go after. Um, but in terms of the casual aspect, it's like the thing I would tell that that player is like, if you want to play like a final fantasy story, like this is going to be a really great game for you. And generally speaking, that player, that casual player plays the expansion story, goes on a nice break, having finished that story and then returns in the next pre-expansion hype gets caught up because when like when people ask me like you know i got asked this yet last night am i still playing 14 yeah like i'm my machinist is almost a cap after that i've got a bard and that will omni 90 but am i actively like playing 14 every day well no because i i know that i'm in that spot where i run the risk of massive burnout so where do i put my time and investment in point four after point four then I feel my investment makes more sense because that's when the gear cap does its thing. And that's where I really will invest my time. And that's just how I've done it. And that's how I did it after learning that that's how it worked in heaven's word. Cause it, it did. I, I grinded everything in ARR, every step increase. I was there top tier, like always working hard on it. And then heaven's word came out and I was like, wait a minute, this is the same process. So once that you understand the process and you know that, and I think we'll talk about that more in a second, but then I say, I, I invest in point four. You can also invest in point five. And that's generally what we see. So from a casual perspective, like if you really want a story, you want to run some dungeons. If you want to dabble in the raids themselves, you can absolutely do so. You don't have to commit uh, a, a, an absorbent amount of time. And a lot of my time, because like to bring it, you know, back to that question asked of me, like, am I still playing? It's like, a lot of my investments already been made. Like I have plenty of gill. I have houses. I have everything at cap. I have all these things done. Like I 14 can ask a lot of your time, but it asks it in an optional way. It doesn't require it. And I think that helps it ease that burden for the casual player. Now, also at the same time, we got into discussion last night about the mid core of the game itself. I think the game has, you have ultimates and savage, you could maybe count extremes. Extremes can kind of blend that line. But we talk about the mid-core. And uh, Chris actually brought up that, you know, like if you think of like Eureka and uh, Boja, like those are really excellent mid-core pieces of content. I absolutely agree with his point on that. 
Um, but essentially then I say Final Fantasy 14 is, is as excellent for the casuals. I think it's excellent and it doesn't need to change. And actually it is changing, making it even easier so that if you're kind of not, not wanting to step in with other players, that it works well. It's weakness in that area is it doesn't allow for hybrid groups. So if you and your friend are playing together, 14 struggles in that capacity because it has the casual solo player. And if you have a team of four, uh, yeah, four, uh, three other friends, you're going to be just fine. But it's in that, like me and my buddy are trying to play this game. Me and my daughter are trying to play this game that 14 is currently lacking for the casual market. So yes, it's for casuals. It's getting better. I hope that it still improves in that area, but that's, that's my answer. What do you think? I mean, I think Deep Dungeon is the answer to that. In January, we'll get our third Deep Dungeon. Deep Dungeon, you can do with twos. Um, do whatever size you want, really. Uh, so up to four. Uh, I, I think that this game is phenomenal for people that want to get exactly what they want out of it and then leave. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that Final Fantasy XIV does is, A, uh, the updates are incredibly regular, incredibly predictable. So you know exactly when... Uh, and and what will be in every patch and when it will be here and the surprises are there in like the specifics and and all that we get really hyped on it as a community but if you know there's a particular piece of content that's your thing you kind of know whether or not a patch cycle is going to have it in it and the patch cycles are four months long exactly uh and so you can say okay well cool i got four months and so then you know i'm going to go bail and do this you also know how far behind you are so like how much do i have to close up you know how many patches there are and typically how much story is per patch. Um, nothing's really tied to anything else. Current WoW has gotten to the point where a lot of systems have become integrated because that's what people asked for. Uh, the original request was, wouldn't it be cool if I got progress towards thing A while I was doing B? And that sounds really good until they're, until they're linked to each other. And now you realize, oh, wait, I only like A or B. And now I have to do both. Mm -hmm. And so you end up spending part of your time in content that you didn't intend to have to do. So for the player that likes every single aspect of WoW, current expansion probably feels relatively fine. Give uh, or take some balance and some execution choices. But the moment there is one piece of content you don't like, if it's linked, you're still doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. And Final Fantasy yeah. doesn't really do that. Um, right. On the other hand, the downsides of wow since brian kind of mentioned what he kind of thought the the hard part on selling somebody that's you know wondering is 14 good for casuals is this game has an enormous requirement um compared to games like world of warcraft or destiny or uh maybe not Destiny as much or like uh, guild wars where the narrative element is something you could largely ignore if you wanted to mm -hmm. um the narrative element is the driving force behind this game. All They design it first, and then the content falls behind it. As somebody that the narrative is not why I play MMORPGs, I played this game for many, many years, utterly ignoring it. But that doesn't mean I wasn't doing it. So when I say I was a story skipper, I played the game back before they even sold story skips. So what I meant was I was using my escape key. Um, and that means you still have to do it. And so if there is a quest that says, hey, I want to talk to you for a bit, escape, cool, can you go over there and talk to Brian? And then you go over there and Brian goes, hey, hey, skip. Cool, can you go back and talk to Chris? And then you come back over, hey, skip. All that effectively turned into was a walking simulator and not in a good way. Uh, the handful of those that have been done well over the years. It's not, and so like the story is really 
um, lackluster and can't be done with friends if you're not engaged in the story. A lot of people do find the story very, very rewarding. I encourage people to give it a shot. But if it's not your thing as a casual, you can still find great things here. You're going to end up either buying a story skip or pushing the escape key, um, which is going to separate you from a portion of the community and uh, ends up being something that like all content's locked behind. Mm -hmm. So because that's manual, it depends on how casual somebody's talking about being. If they say, oh, no, I'd want to give the story a shot. I play games two hours a week. Okay, well, then you're going to be playing this for like six billion years to catch up because we've got 600 hours of story to get to current. Yeah. Uh, and so you're saying, I want to start an anime that has a thousand episodes. And I was thinking about watching half an episode every day at lunch. You're just never going to get there. Um, and so I do right. want to kind of warn people. And you just have to decide where that's worth. For some people, right. they, they flush $15 hours. down the toilet right. every day. Right, they do. Some people right. have very strict budgets on what they spend on entertainment, in which case paying a subscription and not getting your value kind of stings we, like uh, not to derail this topic because this could this actually needs to be something we, you and i sit down and discuss at length uh you know in, in its own topic in the future but it's one of the things that where it's like i would love to see 14 also offer an additional uh payment method in which that instead of just being sub 15 you know dollars a month unlimited access or you can buy 250 hours of gameplay for x and then you use the hours and those that system already exists in 14 it exists in the world but like, obviously, I think Square Enix likes that guaranteed $15 every month. But I think essentially, as we look at what what is the future of subscription based MMOs hold, I, I think that would actually like that value. Imagine buying a bundle of, you know, like you want to play and you want to play two hours a week, you know, like the subscription model doesn't work for you in that game in this game, like, you know, and beyond that. But imagine like, oh, yeah, I can definitely clear this game in 200 hours. Let me just buy that as a bundle. And as I play it, when I when I have time, because I know a lot of people in the military, a lot of people with like different, you know, they're in different life. You know, hey, like I, I don't have Internet six months out of the year and I can't tell you why. OK, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get it. But it'd be interesting But I would love to go and play and, and, and do this when I whenever I have the opportunity. So I think there's options there. But to your point, though, like on that, like, yeah, I would say that 14 isn't based off its business model the game for you outside the free trial. I was like, free trial, stick with free it. Trial's massive. And, and it's weird because it's like never hand Square Enix money. Like that's the answer. Like I, I hear so many people that are like, I love this game. I'm going to go ahead and get it. And I'm like, how far are you into it? They're like, I'm level 30. I was like, it sounds weird, but don't <laughs> like, don't give don't. Square Enix the money. Get to heaven's word. And, and you'll really, really be happy. But a lot of people are like, oh wait, now I'm locked into a sub. Anyway, um, on that note, like I, I do want to uh, like kind of talk about kind of the mid core itself because like I see a lot of people debating in chat, like what is what is mid core, and to, to describe like what I think, because fourteen has the mid core piece of content that might vary based off your life experience. But the thing that I tell you that if Square, if Yoshi P came out on stage, I would cry if he made this announcement. But if you look at the content in like Eureka Bosha, you know that kind of mindset, and they're like, hey, we're we're breaking that off the instant servers, we're bringing it into just the core game. And we're going to let that kind of play out in the open world for you guys who want to do it. And guess what? We're going to make a rotating zone, kind of the zone that y'all want to be playing in every week. And it's just going to be a little bit different. And there's going to be cool rewards tied into it. Like that would be such a beautiful piece of mid core that takes advantage of the whole game uh, that, that really integrates the whole game itself. And that's where it's like one of the things I've also talked about is the idea that imagine if you brought in the grand companies in a, in a unique way that you're not fighting each other, but 
the more that you do in zone Y, like we're going to let you fly your banners for the twin adder in this zone for the next week or something like that. Like as a way of just kind of like, all right, like taking advantage of the systems and the core gameplay loop while at the same time, not making it about rating and at the same time, not making it about story, but just making it about like, yeah, Hey guys, let's, uh, let's all just go hang out in the Ruby sea for a while no reason you know and then it's like oh yeah guys you know like we're, we're, it's like you could end up basically kind of using in-game systems to make your own fun and that scales to you as a player and in, in difficulty but that's just kind of where i end up falling where it's like i think there's definitely some more room for improvement that the game could make that's beyond story and beyond rating and that's what i kind of start to look at how do we define and improve that mid-core chris so you asked the question what is mid-core and then you gave some examples but to kind of define it yeah um it's in my mind, it's the half step between hardcore and casual. So something that I can just engage in and just go hang out somewhere, um, Island Sanctuary, uh, Golden Saucer, um, just kind of like a, a large portion of just like leveling alts, all of that, the act of getting through story, that can all be done very casually. It mm -hmm. takes a lot of time, but it can be done very casually. And actually, in my mind, large portions of relics, especially once relics become old, um, become very, very casual. If you want to start working on your Heavensward Relic now and you're willing to just kind of chip away at it and do a little poetic grinding through like an MSQ roulette a day or something like that, it's very, very, very casual. Just get there at your own pace. You're not holding anybody else back. And hardcore content is where you need to step up or, or get out of the way. And that is content where you have to perform at a certain skill level or or not do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so you start to get into this eight, typically eight man content that is very challenging and meant to be challenging. And we have different difficulties ranging from extreme up to savage to ultimate. But ultimately, like if you're just just showing up like, yeah, I didn't really watch any guides. I haven't played in two months. I don't know my rotation. I don't even know if I have good gear. You don't belong there. Um, it's going to begin asking things of you. And it's somebody who says, okay, I want to know more about this game. I want to get better at this game. Um, and so that's what I would kind of group into hardcore. But within those, there's different levels, right? Mm -hmm. There's yeah. people who are just playing the game. Oh, I just kind of watch the cutscenes and like it. And there's people who are nerding out about this, but casually, but they're like having yeah. deep conversations about Aetherites over on like Eorzean Archives or something. Um, versus hardcore, there's people who are trying to get world first and be literal perfect parses as opposed to, yeah, I'm clearing Savage, but like I'm clearing it at the pace that I'm clearing it and I'll get through it when I get through it. And so I think within both those, there are striations. But what struggles is that there is... There is a, a gap and that gap can feel like, you know, just one of those little relief lines in the sidewalk that stops the cracks from spreading from one side to another, or it can feel like this huge canyon. But what ends up happening is you finish with your time on one side at whatever level within hardcore, whatever level within casual you are, and you realize I want to spend some time on the other side. And the jump to the other side feels totally foreign. If a Savage Raider decides today, I've skipped story the whole way through, mm -hmm. all the way to Endwalker, and I hear it's good, I'd like to go back and get started in lore. It is a ton to get into. Hey, what is all this golden saucer stuff? It is a ton to realize, oh my god, I, I haven't even been playing this game. This is like a totally different game. And same with the other way around. I need to have done all my beast tribes, I've done all my relics, I'm having a blast in the game I've been playing casually, I'd like to try Savage. Is P5S really that hard? Compared to what you've been doing, yes, it's a monstrous step up. I'm not saying you can't make it, but you've got a lot to learn very rapidly to make the jump. And where the game struggles 
is that transition. Mm -hmm. Um, The things that help encourage a casual player to grow and mature at their own pace while holding them accountable. Um, So things like Bosges Adnor's Deliberum Regine feel like that, where they were, they were punishing you, you die, but you still get your clear, Mm -hmm. Um, but you die. And so like tying things to, to where you can feel yourself improving, you can feel yourself learning and you're taking steps so that that day you do decide to do Savage, if you ever get there, you don't have to, it doesn't feel so scary. Mm -hmm. Or I think class quests are something that kind of works backwards from the other way. As Savage players, what encourages me to go give Island Sanctuary a shot? What what kind of baits me in and says, hey, there's kind of a challenging component to this. Could you go master that? Um, and so midcore tends to be where it struggles. I think uh, I think things like deep dungeons are great examples mm-hmm. of midcore content yeah. where you can take them casually. You could go get your Necromancer Reaper, whatever title it's called. That's insane. Uh, and and it and it just functions. Right. And, and so, it, like, but it scales, and that's one of the things scales. that I've, that's one of the things that I've brought up numerous numerous times, especially in that regards. When you start looking at these these stair steps, and it's like how can they create content that helps continue to kind of push against the player? We talked about this obviously with like education, education ends up helping, but what ends up happening, and we saw this happen in, in Stormblood quite dramatically where the game was, you're like, everybody's just like, man, they're cruising along. And then all of a sudden they hit, you know, the, the final boss of uh, that. And then it's like really difficult, especially for a while, you know, it's like all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. Like, I thought I was good. And then, oh, it turns out like I, the game wasn't telling me anything. I wasn't getting feedback in anything that was there. Deep Dungeon's a great example of mid-core. That's why I like when uh, when Chris on, on the stream yesterday brought up Boja and Z- Zadnor, I was like, yeah, that's it. But what I what I look at and then what I would what I dream of is like integration in terms of the, the whole capacity of the game. And we're seeing Yoshi P do these things. We're seeing them with the trust system being brought into the core of the game. Like that's why I have hope for the future. We we're talking about this last night. Like there's a couple things that like for me personally, I think that depending on if the criterion dungeons just absolutely hook me, awesome. I'm going to be excited. I don't have the expectation that that will happen. And I have been talking, you know, just like, you know, it could be beneficial for me having covered this game for 13 years to go ahead and just take a, a, a break, you know, to sit down and say like, yeah, I've got everything to 90. Yeah. I've done the stuff that I've, I've wanted to do. I've made the guides, you know, let me just take a, you know, a couple patches off and literally come back and be excited again, rather than like, okay, yeah, I did the raids. Yeah, okay, yeah, this is the cycle, et cetera. You know, so there could be some health. And that's what we always encourage people to do uh, in their regards. But if Criterion's exciting and I can't pull myself away from it, I'm not going to. It's Crystalline like, Conflict. Yeah, Crystalline Conflict people, is, is it, amazing. It, it's it, amazing. It, it, yeah. You can do it casually. You can take it incredibly hardcore and it scales to where you want to be. Um, and we have a casual version of the new dungeon system right that kind of story to your own and we have a savage version which is, mm-hmm. is meant to push you into the ground yeah but that criteria that middle step that is your literal midcore. yeah um, and the and- question is is like what i i don't know if it's going to do this we don't know the full details but the the hope would be is that you have a system that like oh you run it and then it actually gets stronger against you so you end up finding that perfect balance one of the reasons why i do not define our current dungeons as what i would call midcore. i don't define them as midcore. you play through them a couple of times and then there's no like it does not scale to you it, like it literally becomes like 
that chore, which I was like, that's unfortunate. But Yoshi P talked about how with Criterion, you can bring in more player choice. It sets the expectation that you could go a couple different ways. Even with the variant version, you can still attack it from one. Like you could choose one to two, one to four. You can change your job. Like a lot of these things are the personification of feedback that the player base has given them. Because like, I don't know if you've ever been like me, but I remember one time back in the day when it was really hard to get a tank before they made all the tank changes, whether you agree those changes were good or bad that, you know, like that's a discussion for its own topic. But one of the things is like, gosh, I have a tank. We're sitting here waiting for like 10 minutes and hoping that one slots in, it would be so valuable if I was like, all right, guys, I, I, I just got the tank let's let it find us a DPS, you know, let's pull that in here overall. So like, I'm excited for that as a mid core, I'm excited. Like I, I am kind of like, I'm excited for deep dungeon in terms of that. Um, I don't know if though, if it's going to be something that it's like, man, you know, it, it really depends on the kind of system. So I am looking for reasons to be like hopeful for the, the cycle. I do think that 7.0 is, it should be, I'm hoping, I think it's going to be fairly significant. Uh, you know, from a narrative perspective, but outside of that, like I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I see myself shifting more and more casual than I see myself shifting more and more hardcore, uh, in, in the game in its current state. So Rolls says, if you compare it to other games, nothing's hardcore. Um, I, I think, you know, because of the amount of time, I think time on its own is not a real thing for me. Like if they just like, like housing savage was time, there's nothing hardcore about it. Like you just click the sign. And so like relics, for example, I really struggle to label hardcore outside of things like Deliberum, Savage, Baldesian Arsenal, things like that, because ultimately playing one hour a day and not playing well will still get you the relic. And so you do not have to be good at it. Mm -hmm. you, you can optimize anything, but you do not have to be good at it. Uh, and so I, I, I don't think time alone is a good measure. I think it's a factor, but it's not a good measure. Um, prog time, for example, is very different than total time because prog time is attentive time. How long does it take you to clear DSR? DSR is hardcore content. Um, I also think that comparing in difficulty um, starts to be like, a, well, the hardest game is the only one that's hardcore and anything less hard than that is not hardcore. And I, I disagree with that as well. The first time we have player true accountability that is turned on all the time, non-optional, I think you've entered hardcore because you are now entering a state that new players are not welcome and you're asking people to know the systems. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there might be games out there that playing hardcore is easier than other games that you play, right? A, a Souls game, hardcore mode may mean something very different than hardcore Minecraft. But yeah. <laughs> ultimately, you're saying before you step into this, you need to know this game. This is master mode. You need to you need to take this very seriously compared to the entry point for new players. Um, and so like, I think ultimates are absolutely hardcore. Now you can say our hardcore doesn't go high enough. We only allow people to get to the ceiling and there's still room to improve. And actually our hardcore community does that. They go and try to clear UCOB only using like half the arena. They go clear UCOB using only tanks. There are trackers for these things that people go do and they make all sorts of weird challenges for themselves. Minimum item level, all this stuff that allows them to extend the ceiling within the already hardcore community to go even higher but that doesn't mean that a brand new player well you should be expected to do extreme because that's not even hardcore anymore it's still a big ask the jump from i'm going through dungeons i don't really know if i'm doing my rotation does gear matter to clearing the you know ex4 there's a lot you're going to need to learn very very rapidly mm -hmm. uh that dungeons did not hold you accountable for 
Uh, and so I think that very first jump to extreme, I think you've made a massive shift in the way you play this game when you clear your first extreme. That doesn't make you world first. Um, Zeno called himself uh, aggressive on a recent podcast. That doesn't make you an aggressive high-end player. Um, and But it does mean that's that's the category you're shifting towards as opposed to Brian sitting down with his daughter and introducing mm. her to Island Sanctuary. Right. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see. Man mode. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that comment. That's why I highlighted it. Um, thanks, Jace, for uh, for sharing that. Um, at the end of the day, like I think it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, Fourteen definitely uh, has that, and that's a strength. It's a strength to be able to invite people in. Uh, I've often uh, wondered, especially with these changes that they've been making, like does this then help invite more people into kind of the more MMO side of it, the more you know hardcore content. Uh, side of things and i think yoshi p is gonna be neat to see what deep dungeon looks like this round because if they've learned anything from boja and zadnor where it's like hey let's bring in lost actions and all of a sudden that that brings a, a level of flexibility and, and you know and challenge to it while we see people going and challenging the deep dungeon solo um you know for that for that goal then you you tie it in over here and it's like, oh yeah, imagine that. And what I think would be really, I, you know, I don't think we'll see it because it's just the amount of work, but it's like, if it ends up being successful, like I'd love to see those systems roll into the other deep dungeons as just a form of like synergy between the content, synergy between what is offering rather than like being their own completely independent, you know, systems that, oh yeah, we we want to do have it on high, but we're kind of, I don't want to be stuck at level, you know, 70 and, I don't want to not have these abilities and, you know, et cetera, you know, like that's where it's like, I think it would be really cool to see. Uh, Chris, do you have any uh, final thoughts on uh, this subject? No, I think it's interesting. I think we could, I could think we could have this exact same conversation focusing only on the casual definitions. You know, is somebody that's gotten every single relic still casual just because it's approachable content. And we could sit there and talk about the disparity between the bottom of hardcore and the top of hardcore. So I don't have anything further to add here, but it really opens up a lot of future topics that you could just, we could talk for hours. Brian's Absolutely. got places to be. I got things to do. Uh, these con uh, conversations continue over on Twitch guys. Uh, the link is pinned in the uh, live chat over you're here with us on, uh, on YouTube. Love it. If you go hang out with Chris as he does some more uh, 3.4, right? 3.4 today, 3.5 and 3.55 tomorrow. And then when I get back from vacation, we'll be jumping into like some missing class quests, maybe uh, Alexander. I don't know what all we're going to do. Um, <laughs> and you can absolutely just get a shout out for Chili over on uh, Twitch as well uh, for Moogle Go Around Radio. Uh, he says, I promote myself. It's like uh, Cole Evix also hanging out here on the YouTube side. So uh, we've uh, dropped his link as well. So please be sure to do that uh, and go follow these. I Cole the other day. What's up? I reacted to Cole and I'm going to clip it together with some other reactions. Oh, excellent. The other day. Excellent. Excellent. I like, I like his stuff. Oh yeah, dude. Cole does a great job. Um, on that note, guys, uh, that is the show for today. The live show. Uh, we will be back sometime here in, you know, 10 ish days. Um, you know, I'm looking at the wrong buttons here. And there we go. All right. We'll be back here in around 10 ish days ish. Uh, thanks so much guys for being here. We love you faces. Uh, we are so happy that you've joined us for today. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Hopefully you enjoyed the audio version of the show. If you're listening over there and, uh, we will see you in the next video live stream, live show, Twitch, everywhere we make content.